Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from, um, well, I'm in Florida again, and, 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 well, I didn't expect to be, and I expected to have a podcast episode last week, and yeah, um, folks, this is going to be a bonus episode. This is not a regular episode of the podcast. It's going to be largely a giant tale from the road. And if you are one of those who does not like the tales from the road part of this podcast, you could just skip this one and tune in to our regularly scheduled podcast later this week. Because um, I have had a time... It has been a week, and uh, first off, let me start off by saying nothing bad has happened. Pretty much nothing bad has happened. None of this is bad. I am not telling a tale of woe here. I am just telling a tale. Here's what happened. So typically when I do the podcast, uh, you know, I, I release the podcast on Wednesdays, hopefully. That's my plan anyway. And then I take a couple of days and don't think about the podcast, or at least not very much. And then I start to think about the next podcast and formulate it in my mind and all this kind of stuff. And I had done all that. I had a whole podcast planned out. And, um, and I usually try to record on Monday or Tuesday or on Wednesday. Those are the three days. It depends on how the week is going. On Monday, I was busy, so I didn't do it. And then on Tuesday, I just didn't feel right. I felt a little sick. So I was like, no, nah, it's all right. I'll do it Wednesday. And... And then on Wednesday, I felt much worse. And I was like, uh-oh. It's like, okay, so I'm going to skip Wednesday. And I, I told everybody on Facebook, I'm going to do it on Thursday. And then everything changed. <laughs> I had a conversation with my wife. Now, Jen is my wife's name. Um, she is absolutely wonderful. It is absolutely the largest achievement of my life that I have been married to her for, oh, 11 years now. And we were just talking about things, you know, one of these kind of state of the union kind of discussions that everyone should have in their marriage at some point, you know, once a month, once every six months, whatever. And we talked about a promise we had made to each other. Now, that promise goes back to our 10th anniversary. For our 10th anniversary, and side note here, we are not the most ceremonial people. Um, we kind of don't celebrate anniversaries or birthdays or Valentine's Day or anything that much because we celebrate those things every day. <laughs> so they're not really special days. We try to make every day a special day. Uh, but for our 10th anniversary, which was last year, we thought, well... What if we did something special? Now, the theme for the 10th anniversary is aluminum. In, in the old days, you were supposed to give your spouse a gift of a certain material based on how long you'd been married. You know, wood or lead or diamond or gold or silver. For whatever reason, year 10 is aluminum. So what do you give somebody that's aluminum that is something very special, something they've wanted and thought of? And, uh, well, the answer is an Airstream, a trailer, an Airstream travel trailer. You know, those, those trailers that the NASA astronauts used to ride in on their way to the Apollo missions and the iconic classic, most famous camping travel trailer ever those. Yes. That's what we're talking about now at the time in May of 2023, it just wasn't the right time for us to do this for a whole bunch of reasons. We decided that, uh, no, you know what? We're going to keep this promise. We're just not going to keep it now. And then Wednesday of last week, 
we decided now we're going to keep the promise. But here's the trick. (laughs) We had to go from deciding to do this to having the Airstream parked at Tiki Bago land in a week. Yeah, uh, there's reasons for that. Uh, many of the, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's complicated. I'm going to skip that part, but just take it as faith <laughs> or as an axiom, if you will, that we had exactly a week to purchase an Airstream and then get it to our property. Now, we're very picky about which Airstream we wanted. And, and the goal here is not to travel the country in this Airstream. The goal here is to park the Airstream down with the Tiki Bago and the Scamp on the Illinois River and just have a very comfortable place to sit and enjoy the birds and such. That's the goal. And one of the reasons that we really like the Airstreams. Now, to be clear here, Jen is much more into the Airstreams than I am. I mean, I respect them and I like them, but I'm also fully aware that for the price of an Airstream, you can get a massive fifth wheel with like four slide outs and three axles and a washer and dryer and a bowling alley and a swimming pool and everything. I mean, these things are not cheap, but Jen pointed out to me that the most important thing about having something like this parked at our property was the windows. And nobody does windows better than Airstream. There are windows everywhere. Not only that, they hold their value. They're fairly simple. They don't have slides and things like that. They're as four season as you can get in a trailer. They have heated tanks and etc. They're very well built generally. And the truth is that parking an Airstream on the property will give us a lot of comfort without all the hassles of building an actual house there, or maybe even even like a tiny house, there's a lot of hassles with that. Airstream is the simplest thing to do. Anyway, that's how we ended up with an Airstream. But we don't have a truck. <laughs> so Airstreams are too heavy for me to tow with my Sprinter, at least the ones we're looking at. Sprinter's maximum tow capacity is 5,000 pounds. The Airstreams we're looking at are around 6,000 pounds, but the worst than that, the Airstreams we're looking at have a heavy tongue weight uh, of 900 pounds. And that is that is a limiting factor. There are a lot of vehicles that can tow 6,000 pounds that cannot handle a tongue weight of 900. And that's where we're at. So step one, I have to buy a truck. <laughs> so I quickly went to CarMax, which is my go-to place for buying used vehicles. Yes, it's more expensive than buying private, but you get a warranty for a month. You can take them back. It's much easier. I am a fan of CarMax. I've bought many vehicles there, and I'm looking for trucks. And now I want a truck that, uh, as you may have guessed, that I can turn into a camper (laughs) because I have to turn everything into a camper. So I want a, a truck that is in good shape that can tow an Airstream, but that I can also turn into a camper. And that means I want a long bed and only a two door. And, and folks, uh, those don't seem to really exist anymore. Uh, some, the world has moved on from trucks. Like, you know, a pickup truck to me is two doors and a big long bed that you can put a whole sheet of plywood in. Those are extremely rare. Now, now a truck is four doors, five seats, and this little tiny bed that can hold like a bag of mulch and, you know, the dog's leash or something. Trucks aren't trucks anymore, but they still do make some. You just have to hunt for them. And I found one in Indianapolis. It was a Ram 1500 STL classic two-door, eight-foot bed, 5.7 
liter Hemi engine, uh, four-wheel drive even. So uh, this was a reasonable tow vehicle for an Airstream. Many people would argue it was a little small. You know, uh, you should always get a three-quarter ton or more to tow a trailer, blah, 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 whatever. This is enough, and we're not actually going to move this thing very much. It's just to move the vehicle once. Don't forget, I don't have an Airstream yet. We're just at the truck stage. So the truck's in Indianapolis, and I start looking at how am I going to get to Indianapolis. I can take the train, I could fly, I could take the bus, whatever. And then, much to my shock, Jen says she wants to come with me on this crazy adventure. And I'm thrilled because, you know, she has a real job. She has real responsibilities. She can't just suddenly get up and go like I can. But the way things worked out, she had a few days in which she could. So in the, I mean, it's just a matter of hours. We went from sitting on the couch, just having a normal day to renting a car and driving to Indianapolis to go buy a truck at CarMax. Now, that as complicated as that is it was much worse because there were tons of problems the car i got from hertz was an absolute piece of junk it had all kinds of warning lights on it and the second i left the hertz dealer they shut the doors and locked them behind me so there's nothing i could do about the car i wasn't even sure it was going to make it to indianapolis folks hertz is not hertz anymore hertz is just a horrible company, and I recommend you don't rent from them unless you have no other choice, which is kind of the situation I was in. I don't understand what happened to Hertz. They used to be the best and often the most expensive. Now they're just crap. Oof. So, yeah, anyway, we got to Indianapolis in this piece of junk car, got to CarMax, got the truck. I drove it around, tested it out. Seemed like it was okay. Found a couple little things wrong with it. USB port didn't work and the parking brake cable was hanging down, which apparently is a common thing in these Rams. Not a big deal. CarMax will fix these things, but I didn't have time to fix them now. So they wrote me a repair order and I can get them fixed at any CarMax in the next month. Perfect, easy, great. Dealt with the money, got the keys, get in the truck and I start it and I start driving out the lot and the brake light's flashing at me. When the brake light is flashing at you in a vehicle, do not drive it. That is bad. That means there's something wrong with the brakes. And I was like, well, this is really bad timing. So I turned around, drove it right into the service bay and said, "Um, hey, I didn't even get it off the lot. This brake light's flashing. I can't take it like this. And they said, oh, that's okay. We'll get you a loaner. We'll have somebody look at it. I was like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) If this can't get fixed immediately, I have to just not buy the truck. I have to take it back, which is a thing you could do at CarMax. And there was some little bit of yelling between the service people, whatever. And they said, go have a seat. And half an hour later, they figured out that it was was the parking brake. That sagging cable, the parking brake, was actually telling the sensor that the brake was on. So they fixed that. And off we went, and I was very happy to have a truck and to be heading out. But where? Where was this Airstream that we were going to buy? So 
I've talked on this show before about RV Trader, and uh, that's the easiest way to sell and buy an RV, a used RV anyway. They have the basically everybody puts their RVs on RV Trader. That's anyone. I mean, you could, there are other sources, of course, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, but we were looking for a fairly new you know, many tens of thousands of dollars worth of vehicle here. So we wanted something that had a little bit more reputability and RV trader actually does have that. And we went through all the airstreams to find the one that would fit on the land, the best and have the best windows for looking out the river. (laughs) Most people don't have to do this because their trailer is going to move and they're going to have a different view, but we were going to have the same view the whole time. And there was, it, it turned out that in order to do this with the way the land is situated, there was only one model that really made sense. And it is the 26U, also known as the 26RB. 26 is how many feet it is, although they're all one foot longer. So a 26 foot, a 26 is actually 27 feet. Don't know why. And U refers to the shape of the couch. They changed that for some reason to RB for rear bedroom. It's the same exact layout. I don't know why they changed the name, but anyway. And it turns out they're fairly rare. You know, there aren't that many of them. They're popular. They've been making that floor plan since 2004, but there just aren't that many of them. So there was no chance of finding one anywhere near Chicago. This is, this is just a truism of Airstreams. Even though there are Airstream dealers in the Midwest... There just aren't that many used Airstreams in the Midwest. And if there are, they cost more. I don't know why this is. Airstreams are made in Ohio, arguably the Midwest. But for some reason, they're crazy expensive here. So, okay, whatever. So we found one that we liked. And it's in Lakeland, Florida. So there we are in Indianapolis. And we have to get to Lakeland, Florida. And so we just start driving. And... Jen was my co-pilot and I drove and drove and drove and we planned it out and we decided to stop past Atlanta to get past all the traffic in Atlanta, which we did. We stopped in Morrow, Georgia, pulled into the hotel at 1 a.m. to be greeted by six police cars and a motel room that was wide open with a bed that looked like something had happened on it and police tape wrapped all over the place. Uh... Now, at 1 a.m., I was ready for bed. I was done with drama. I just wanted to sleep because I knew we had to be on the road by 6 a.m. So at best, we were going to get five hours of sleep. Yeah, no, the cops were blocking the way. We couldn't park in the right place. And then I noticed a piece of my truck blew off the bed cap rail. The plastic molding that's on top of the bed on one side was missing. Where did it go? How does that just blow off? I don't know, but it's not mission critical. So I ignored it. (sighs) Get in, check into the hotel. They said, don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. Somebody OD'd. Everything's fine. You can go to your room and they give us a room number. We go down the hall, and I think the room number was 244. So we go down the hall, 236, 238, 240, and then they end. There is no room 244. Now again, it's 1 a.m. I've already had to deal with not being able to park the truck anywhere near the hotel because of the cops. And yeah, so... I tell Jen to wait by the door with all the bags. I go all the way back to the lobby because, of course, this was as far away from the lobby as possible. And I tell the guy that either there's no room 244 
or it doesn't make any sense. I can't find it. And so he offers to give me another room. <laughs> like, no, just if this room exists, just show me where it is. It's fine. And so he takes me and shows me that the rooms 242, 244, 246, and 248 are in a completely different section of the hotel, actually next to rooms 201 and 203, because that makes sense. I mean, it was the strangest thing. Anyway, doesn't matter, except that I really want to go to bed. So I find the room, find Jen, take her in there. We basically plop our stuff on the floor, instantly go to sleep or try to. 5.30 alarm goes off and we're back in the truck. Truck's driving fine. It's a very comfortable ride. It's very quiet. It's actually much more pleasant than riding in the ambulance. And everything's going well. And we cross the Florida border. In fact, Jen, who generally is afraid of driving large vehicles, I would not afraid, but hesitant. I mean, she's just never done it before. It's not something that she wants to do. She drives a Scion IQ, which is a smart car. It's a little tiny, tiny car. And uh, this truck is gigantic. So she says that she's willing to drive, and she actually drives us into Florida so I could have a little nap, which was hugely appreciated. I, a little nap helped a lot. And we get into Florida, and maybe 20 miles across the border, we see this wreck off the side of the road. I mean, basically, I-75, which is the road we run, was shut down because there was this incredible massive wreck. I don't know exactly what happened. But there was just the skeleton of vehicles on the road. And it had happened so long ago that they had set up tents and there were all kinds of service trucks and they were measuring and stuff. So clearly a major accident. And then we drove on further and saw that they were pushing all these cars off the highway. And then we were driving south on I-75 and I-75 North was empty. It was kind of eerie. There were just no cars going north at all. And then maybe 15 miles later, another accident, very similar, just crushed vehicles in the road. There was what looked like an RV. Maybe it was, it's hard to say. There was just pieces everywhere. And then another massive backup behind that. And they were pushing more cars off the road and then a desert again. It was like 65, 75 miles of that road was completely messed up. Now, I found out in the news that what happened was at 4.30 in the morning, somebody either fell asleep or whatever, but hit the guardrail in their car and bounced into the driving lane, the, the right-hand lane, and stopped. And then a truck didn't see him and hit the car. Truck burst into flames. Truck driver died. The guy in the car is in critical care blah, blah, blah. But that caused a huge backup. And then another truck hit a car way back in the backup. Anyway, it was, it was a massive thing. And it was very humbling to realize at that moment, just the amazing responsibility we have when we're driving. I mean, that reminder was, was pretty poignant at that point. Anyway, from there, everything went fine. We drove to the RV dealer, had an appointment, talked to the guy, showed us the RV and we didn't love it. I mean, it was fine. It met everything we wanted to. And, and there was definitely stuff to love in it. Uh, most Airstreams have kind of weak batteries by us camper van people. 
standards. They usually just have AGMs, maybe 80 amp hours, you know, just not very much. They're not really designed to be boondocking rigs, but this one was. The guy had put 800 watts of solar and there were 800 amp hours of Battleborn lithium batteries freshly installed with three Victron MPPT solar controllers and a 4,000 watt inverter converter. I mean, there was like $10,000 worth of solar in this thing. He had redone the air conditioning so that it would run off the batteries. And according to the dealer, it could run off the batteries for 10 hours, which is pretty darn good. The thermostat was actually able to talk to your phone so you could control it. I mean, that was some pretty impressive stuff. And, you know, I was like kind of drooling a little bit at all that. I was like, hmm, I could even take some of these out and put them in my van. But the floor was funny. Um, the floor squeaked. And I had always heard that in Airstreams, the thing that kills Airstreams was two things. There's a thing called front end separation, where you literally pull the front of the trailer off by towing it on rough terrain. And the other is that water gets in and rots the plywood floor, which is true for just about any kind of RV. Uh, modern Airstreams don't actually have plywood floors anymore. They have a composite that's waterproof, but this year, which was 2017, they did have plywood. And it was clear that the floor had been messed with, and uh, I'm just a little uncomfortable with that. Now, I talked to the salespeople, and they explained that the guy wanted hardwood look on the floor, so he had put down stick-on hardwood but he did a terrible job, so they had just peeled it all up. And what I was actually looking at was the original vinyl floor, and that that squeaking was particular to this model, and that, and this is the important part. He said, if you look next door, there's a 2018 that is an RB rather than a U, because that's the year they changed the names, and you'll notice that its floor is different. And so Jen and I went to look at that one, and that one we fell in love with. It was fascinating that these two RVs with exactly the same floor plan, that it was a gut feeling in a way that this other one that we weren't really even interested in was the one that actually felt right. Now it was completely stock. They hadn't changed anything. It came with the, the Airstream solar, which I think is 180 watts of solar and the crappy little batteries. And the other one, the first one we looked at, had a lot more going for it, and it was cheaper. But uh, long story short, we ended up getting the, the newer, the 2018 that was stock. And that was an interesting moment. <laughs> However, this is not the end of the adventure. Because this truck that I bought uh, didn't come with a hitch. There's no receiver on it, which I think is annoying and stupid. I don't know why anyone makes pickup trucks that don't have a tow hitch. But uh, I needed to have a tow hitch, and um, the place to do that is U-Haul, but it's President's Day weekend, which was something we didn't plan on, and everything is apparently closed, except I found out later that they're not. U-Haul was actually open, even though their website didn't work. So I called them and got an appointment for a hitch, took the truck in for the hitch, and got there, and they said, um, well, you already have a hitch. And I said, well, no, I don't. There's no receiver on there. And I was like, no, these trucks have a hitch. It's just in the bumper and you can't add another hitch. And I was like, oh, so I'm all set. And they said, well, no, the hitch that comes with the truck is a class two hitch and it's not enough to pull an Airstream. It's worse than not having a hitch. I have one I can't use <laughs> and you can't remove it. It's integral to the truck. And I'm like, oh, they're basically telling me 
there's no way I can use this truck to tow the Airstream. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't take it back to CarMax because I've exceeded the miles that you can take it back with. So what do I do? I talk to the guy at U-Haul and he says, well, you know, this, this truck is actually like some of the ones we rent because it's a fleet vehicle. You typically buy these in fleets and U-Haul has a bunch of them. And he said, we have a hitch for one of our vehicles that I think will fit. <laughs> and sure enough, he, it's a class five hitch. I mean, this is the kind of hitch you use to tow a bulldozer. And he managed to fit it on there officially. He didn't fudge anything. It officially fits perfectly and it can tow 16,000 pounds, which is significantly more than the truck could tow. And he got it on there. I was like, awesome, dude, you rock. I actually tipped him and I was so thrilled with that. And then he said something that I thought was not going to be a big deal. He said, oh, but we don't have a pin that will fit the hitch on this. You'll have to go find a pin. Now, U-Haul is in the towing business. They have all kinds of towing stuff. You know, they're a good place to get towing stuff because it's fairly cheap because they want you to have this equipment in your truck so you can rent their trailers. And they don't have a pin? I thought that was very odd, but it didn't bother me because, you know, you can get a trailer hitch pin anywhere unless you've got this particular hitch because this hitch requires this weird J-pin. It's a draw-tight hitch, and it's supposed to use this pin that's shaped like a J, and you have to actually uh, use a wrench to tighten it down, and it keeps the actual hitch from rattling while you're towing. You know, it's ostensibly a good thing if you have one, and I didn't. I was able to buy the hitch itself, so I've got the receiver, I've got the hitch, I've got the right ball, but no pin. So I go to three different stores, and nobody has this pin, and then I'm like, okay, farmer mode. What would a farmer do in this situation? So I actually went to the tractor implements part and got draw pins. These are the pins you use to attach implements to tractors and bought those and, and got it to work with the help of a sledgehammer and a Harbor Freight battery powered impact wrench with a step drill <laughs> to enlarge the holes. Uh, I'm sitting out there in the parking lot of Harbor Freight with the cheapest, most piece of crap tool they have, drilling a hole in a hitch and then hammering a pin into it with a sledgehammer. And it worked. <laughs> and you might think, well, that doesn't sound safe. I promise you it is safe because now it has two hitch pins in it. <laughs> Uh, it's actually much stronger than it was if I had done it the right way. Now, I'm never going to get it off. <laughs> if I have to take this thing off, I'm in trouble. But for now, taking it off isn't my problem. For now, my problem is putting it on there. Okay, so that's great. Now, wiring, right? So it turns out that the Dodge has all the wiring. It has actually four and seven pin trailer wires, which is great. But if you have a trailer that needs brakes, that has brakes, electric brakes, you needed something called a trailer brake controller, and my truck didn't come with one. So, okay, so I need one of those, and I, I know how to wire them. You wire them to the brake lights. There's this module that if you step on the brakes, 
it will send a signal down from the brake light to this controller and that'll send a signal to the trailer brakes but it's a modulated signal it doesn't it's not just on off it's gradual and you have to adjust and everything it's a little bit complicated it's not the end of the world but now they make wireless ones so i actually bought a wireless one i got it on amazon and it came i think that is going to be the end of that because folks i don't have the trailer yet (laughs) i'm sitting in a hotel in lakeland hoping to pick up the trailer tomorrow which i probably won't be able to do which we'll talk about in a second now on facebook i posted a picture of what looks like a bottle cap and said that this explains my whole trip down here to lakeland and and that thing is actually it's an emergency brake controller it's this little tiny button that you mount to your dashboard and if you press that button it'll apply the trailer brakes it talks to the wireless controller and says hey stop it and uh, i'm not going to go into a big primer on towing trailers with trailer brakes but there are many situations in which you want to apply the trailer brakes without applying the truck brakes and this thing makes that happen instantly without this thing you have to actually launch an app on your phone and then find the right button and that just does not sound reliable to me so that's why i have this little ugly little white button that says kurt on it so current situation we need to give the money for the trailer to the rv dealer this makes sense right and i have an appointment to do that tomorrow at 9 a.m The problem is that the money is in a bank account that is only in Jen's name. And Jen is back in Chicago already because I drove her to Tampa and flew her home yesterday because she has to work. And banks have been closed this entire time because of President's Day weekend. And they're not letting us transfer the money to my account, which is the account I need to write the check to give it to the RV place. So... I'm currently in this banking hell where the money exists. It's just not in the right place. And I don't know if I can get it in the right place. And that's what I have to do with tomorrow. And then hopefully I can start driving and get the trailer to Tiki Bagel Land by Thursday. So I can be back in Chicago for Friday morning when I have to take Jen in for a medical procedure. Nothing big, not a big deal. Not a huge thing. Just something that needs to be done. So that is why I'm in Lakeland, Florida. And if you're wondering how my illness just kind of suddenly went away, oh, it didn't. (laughs) No, I have been fighting this cold this entire time. I actually feel terrible. I'm starting to feel a little bit better today. And uh, well, anyway, let me just move on to, I can't believe I've been talking for half an hour about this, but let me move on to 10 lessons that I learned from this trip. (laughs) Okay, number one, most important lesson. Driving is a huge responsibility. Seeing that accident today and just realizing that basically all of northern Florida was completely messed up because one person either fell asleep or wasn't paying attention or whatever happened is sobering. We drive all the time. We don't think anything of it. We have all kinds of distractions, but you are literally taking many, many lives into your hands when you're driving, not just your own, not just your passengers, not even just the lives of those around you. That person who crashed originally actually caused the deaths of people dozens of miles away. It just, just think of that. Take driving very, very seriously, no matter how comfortable it is. Okay. Number two, divide and then conquer. 
is still the way. I had a computer programming teacher tell me this way many, many years ago, way back in the 80s, that you can't sit down and say, I'm going to write a word processor. You have to sit down and say, I'm going to write a word processor, but first I'm going to write something that will accept input from a keyboard, and then I'm going to write something that will let me set the margins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the only way any of this could get done. If I had like said, okay, I'm gonna go get an Airstream, that isn't doable. But to break it down into pieces, step one, get to Indianapolis. Step two, buy a truck. Step three, get the truck to Lakeland. Step four, find an acceptable Airstream. Step five, negotiate and make a deal on the Airstream. Step six, prep the truck to take the Airstream back. Step seven, pay for the thing. Step eight, drive it back to Chicago. I'm still on step seven at the moment. Then it's suddenly doable. And, and, and it's probably been more like 20 steps. But looking at them as single individual problems, I need to solve this problem, I need to solve this problem, is so much easier to deal with than being overwhelmed by the, oh my God, I've got so much to do, I'll never get it done. And that applies to building your van or long trips or anything. It's a huge, important lesson. Number three, don't sweat the small stuff and keep your eyes on the prize. When I got to that hotel and there was all that stuff going on, I very easily could have become totally engrossed with it and stuff, but it, it wasn't my business, had nothing to do with me. My prize was to go to bed, and that is exactly what I focused on. I didn't let any of the things in my way bother me or weigh on me. I just dealt with them. I could have been furious at them for giving me a hotel room that was impossible to find. I could have been angry that the entire parking lot was inaccessible and there was no way to actually get to the hotel with the truck. But I wasn't and I didn't because doing that would not have helped me get to my prize, which was sleeping that night. It's a very good and not always easy lesson to keep in mind. Number four, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. This is a lesson I learned from my buddies in Team Rubicon. I believe it comes from the army, but probably all branches of the military. And the idea is... When you're trying to get something done as fast as possible, that doesn't mean you go as fast as possible. It means you go as smoothly as possible. You're not speeding. You're not trying to push things. You're trying to go with as few barriers as possible. So as we drove down here, I wasn't pushing the speed limit too much. I wasn't doing anything difficult. We actually stopped and had a meal, you know, actually sat down for a meal at one point because it made sense to have a break. When we got to Louisville, at 5.30 and it was rush hour and I saw that I was going to be sitting in traffic for an hour. I didn't try to find a way around it. I didn't freak out. I just resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to be sitting there for a while and I had a nice conversation with my wife and we listened to some lateral podcasts and it was fine. I embraced the suck as it were. Number five, don't fall in love with a rig before it's time to. We very easily could have fallen in love with that Airstream based on what we saw online and just gone and bought it. But we didn't. We went in with the attitude that we're going to buy this if it's right. And even though it had all that solar and stuff, and I was like, oh my God, look at all this stuff. It's wonderful. I was able to maintain the maturity to realize that for what we wanted to do, a stock Airstream was actually better, especially since it was a year newer and in good shape. And as it turned out, we were able to negotiate them down to the price of the other one. So we got a decent deal on it. And I have no regrets on that. It was better to buy the unit that was in better condition and more stock 
for a number of reasons. Because I'll tell you what, all that solar was in there, but I don't know how it was in there. I don't know who installed it or how they installed it. I don't, the Airstream's not going to be able to help me. They don't know anything about it. There were some weird things, like there were these giant Anderson connectors coming out of the front of the trailer. What the heck are those for? I have no idea. We made the right choice, even though that was some really sweet solar action there. Number six, you are resourceful if you let yourself be. You can solve just about every problem that's thrown at you. And the best way to do that is to avoid becoming emotional about it as much as possible. If you find yourself becoming emotional about it, fine. Experience the emotion. Let the emotion flow through you. And then let it go. And then focus on solving the problem using any of the other skills that you have. You have resources. I don't care who you are or what your skill set is. You have resources. Maybe your mission is simply to find those resources, but that's something you can do and do it. Number seven, sometimes luck is on your side. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> In my case, the hitch, I was super lucky that even though they had the wrong hitch originally. They had the right hitch just sitting in stock. That was hugely lucky because if without that hitch, I, I would be in trouble. I don't know what I would be doing. And it was very, very unlucky that it happened to be the hitch that had this weird pin configuration. But I fixed it. Go back and see the part about being resourceful. Number eight, you may know more than the experts. If you've done your research... There's a chance that you will know more than the people who are supposed to be experts. I knew more about Airstreams in some ways, not always, but in some ways than the dealers did. And I certainly knew more about lithium batteries. They were telling me that, uh, oh, it's no problem charging the lithium batteries when it's cold, you know, zero degrees, no problem. They just charge slowly. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you charge lithium batteries in the cold... Uh, it will destroy them. And uh, the reason I was asking this is because that rig with all the solar in it, I was wondering if there was a disconnect or anything so that I didn't have to worry about that. Or maybe they were self-heating batteries. Or, yeah, they had no answers for me. They didn't have a clue. And, uh, you know, that's okay. This is kind of niche, and it's not really in their, their ballpark. Uh, but it's certainly in mine. And it's okay to recognize that, yeah, you might know more than the experts. Because, heck, if you've done enough research... You're kind of an expert too. Number nine, don't solve problems that you don't have to. This is something I've talked about before. It's something that happens to me all the time. I go to Home Depot or I go to Harbor Freight or wherever to get something to solve a problem. And then I find all these other things that could solve other potential problems. Like, oh, what if this happens? And, oh, that tool. Yeah. I mean, those clamps, I could see. I might, you got to stop that. You got to focus just on what you're trying to do at that moment. It's nice to be prepared. It's nice to have things just in case, but they're going to get in the way of you doing what you need to do at that moment. And I actually had a, an armful of cheap tools at one point and I made myself put them down because I don't actually need these. I can imagine needing them, but I don't. And if I do, I will get them then. And number 10 and this is a tricky lesson, but, and I've said it before, do things while you can. This entire Airstream shenanigan thing that we're doing right now is crazy. I mean, 
is it financially responsible? No, buying an RV is never financially responsible. Does it make sense that we're buying an Airstream just to park it and never take it anywhere? Not really. Uh, is this something we need to do? Absolutely not. Does it make sense to do it in this time frame? Well, kind of, because uh, one of the reasons that we started deciding we need to do this now is because it's the end of February, which is the best time to buy RVs, because after this, they start going way up in price. So, yeah, sure. But, you know, would we be in better financial situation to do this five years from now? Probably. So why do it now? And the answer is because we can. This is something we want to do. It's something we can do, and we should do it. We don't know where we're going to be five years from now. We might not have the health to enjoy this, or heck, we might not have the finances. Maybe something happens and the world changes and we can't do it then. We will regret it maybe, but for now, this is what we're going to do. And uh, I'm not regretting that. We're at a point in our lives that it is time to do some of those things. We're not risking our retirement. We're not risking our condo or anything like that. We're not taking extreme risks. It is a time to do things and we're doing it. And I encourage you to carefully consider when it's time for you to do something like that. Your age will dictate that to some extent. If you're young without responsibilities, you have lots of opportunities you won't have later. And as you get older, at some point when your kids leave and your retirement is set and things like that, you suddenly have other opportunities and, and you should take them. So anyway, for those of you who have made it this far, uh, thank you for your patience. I absolutely apologize for not getting an episode last week. I, people have been so generous to me lately. I feel really bad about it, but there will be an episode this week. I just wanted to take some time out of my crazy hectic last few days and explain what's going on there's no reason at all why you should care but i have been told that some of you like listening to my voice because it helps you go to sleep at night and so i hope i've at least accomplished that <laughs> thank you as always for listening and i will see you down the road